powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Welcome back to Game Over Toronto. Harnish and Roman here with you live tonight after the Leafs faced off against uh, the St. Louis Blues in a, a tough, tough game to say the least. Um, and it's our first game back from the holidays, right? What a what a jam-packed uh, game to have, right? And uh, we got a special guest here today. But uh, before we go to go through with that, um, Armand, I gotta say, new coming back from the holidays, new haircut, fresh fade. Huh? What's going on? Uh, courtesy of someone very special. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. thank Harnish you, Patel. I gotta say, uh, I've known you for a decade. It's probably the best haircut you've gotten. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I've paid for worse haircuts, so I do have to give you props. I, I still have the hair. It's just in a box in a Ziploc bag, so I still have to ship it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll all the hair it's going to be donated so that's great um uh honestly i don't know how you trusted me to cut your hair after you saw my brother's <laughs> <laughs> the haircut i gave my brother Debacle. the previous year uh you made a solid bet on that right and uh guess what you can also bet at sports interaction <laughs> think you know what way it'll go make your bet with sports interaction whether it's hockey football or basketball sports interaction has you covered bet pre-game live and play or on one of our many prop bets sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out join now to see all sports betting has to offer want to bet head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn that's sportsinteraction.com sdpn 19 and older, please play responsibly. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our special guest. Well, he needs no introduction, but it's Sean Fitzgerald. Sean, thanks for uh, for coming on the show today. I know it's a, a late game, especially with an OT, right? But uh, appreciate uh, you coming down and, and spending some time with us. Well, when you mentioned special guest a couple of times off the top, I started getting excited. I'm like, wow, I wonder who they have. <laughs> and then I look on the screen and it's me. And it's like, well... Yeah. Uh, no, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was a great game to have you on for. I mean, that was a bit wild. Very back and forth. Yeah, I uh, I think we all saw Sheldon Keefe say some bad words. And I think he might even <laughs> oh, use yeah. some words like he might have conjugated some into verbs, and I'm not sure what the heck they were. I'm gonna have to go back and check the film, but he was animated. Uh, Wes McCauley, I don't think got uh, many holiday greetings from uh, from our friend Sheldon Keefe today. Do you, do you like Wes as a ref? Like, I'm just curious on your thoughts on him. Like, you know, we haven't hung out. Uh, <laughs> I've never spoken to him. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Like, like I like anybody who injects any personality into this game. I mean, yeah. we're putting aside the fact that, yeah, I mean, high stick. Uh, somebody was bleeding, and it was, you know, an act of God, and clearly not a high stick tonight. <laughs> Um, there might have been a pick play, and I have to go into rules, but I'm not sure you're allowed to do that in the NHL. But aside from all of that, like Wes McCauley, I like that he – I honestly like that he injects a bit of personality. Like he he seems – and again, I don't know him, but he seems to understand that like sports can be fun and that even in certain moments when a, you know, a penalty is important uh, or a call certainly is important, that he can have fun with it. And yeah talk about it right like it's this isn't drudgery like we're not filing our taxes we're watching sports <laughs> so like have fun with it so i mean I'm, i, I want to separate you know the calls especially tonight that may or may not have been called but just the way he sort of helps present the game i enjoy yeah. that yeah that's for sure i mean like even just having him mic'd up for the the all-star games th that's always nice but also yeah the pick play <sighs> i mean it just hurts more as a toronto fan knowing in game seven that's the exact play that called back a goal and you're just sitting here like 
seriously like come on brutal but yeah uh we can talk about refing later <laughs> it's pretty bad oh, yeah, that's always the tough thing with hockey right like so Sheldon Keith gets really upset with the refs um I mean at a certain point and it's the same in minor hockey all the way up like a bad call is a bad call a missed call is a missed call like very rarely are you going to see somebody lay into a ref and the ref is like you're right we're going to make that call <laughs> yeah i apologize i step back like it doesn't happen so yeah. i think i feel like the more attention you pay to the officiating um it's to your detriment because then yeah. you're like then you're playing you know the st louis blues and the people wearing stripes like that's never a productive thing it's 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 easy to get distracted by it, I think. Yeah, and it, you know, like, you know, like when when we played Calgary recently, we heard uh, who was it? I think it was Sutter after the game talk about how when you play Toronto, you know how it's going to go, and you know, blah blah blah, in terms of making it known that he thinks that Toronto gets the refing bias. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is that every team kind of goes through it, and you're going to get jobs sometimes. It happens. It was it was particularly funny when uh when when Keith was just yelling at him and then doing the interference yeah. uh, signal. He literally yelled Wes and then did this on that pick play. But yeah, you know you don't see it too uh, too often, like so blatantly done. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was just a rough game for the refing. At like, I think the penalties ended four two for St. Louis. Yeah, and there were quite a few missed calls, but mm-hmm. that's the way it goes. Hey, I'm just happy that we even got uh, got the win out of this, right? And uh, after that, that Brody penalty shots, uh, that didn't instill <laughs> a lot of confidence in me, right? And we have someone in chat, right, Matthew, uh, saying that if a team gets to gets a, a power play goal, uh, even oh, sorry, um, when he was mentioning uh, debating if if a team's allowed to pick between having a a power play versus a penalty shot, that'd be a, a cool strategic uh, choice that the team could have, right? And I I fully back that, right? I think that that should be a play, right? Especially when you have someone like Brody, who's not really known for his uh, his penalty shots, right? Yeah, no penalty shots or shootouts, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I definitely like that. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, scenarios where I think a team could would choose a power play over a penalty shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sean, what do, what do you think? I think, well, I mean, one, in defense of defensemen, I think he was at the end of like an 86-second <laughs> shift in yeah. overtime, right? So, like, you know, doesn't have a lot of time to get the, the blood cells circulating in his brain when he's just trying to sort of catch his breath first. I mean, I like the idea. Um, I also, this is something that has been noodling around in my brain for a while. Um, in, in minor hockey in the United States, so we're talking about power plays and calls. In it, I think it's for everybody below U18 in the U.S. When you're 4v5, when you're shorthanded in the U.S., 4v5 on a, on a penalty kill, if you ice the puck, whistle goes, face off in your zone. So it effectively eliminates... Um, uh, the icing calls, uh, or, or sorry, you can't you can't ice the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually forces you to make a pass or make a play or basically continue to play and, and try and develop a, a counterattack to the the, the, the power play. Um, I think like when you're talking, you know, down these lines, like you know, the, the crazy thing about hockey is that I think the default reaction is, oh, it's never going to happen because it's hockey. But I think these are absolutely the conversations that hockey should be having because it makes things more exciting, right? Like, yeah. imagine, you know, Brody gets called for that. It's like, well, 
there's Austin Matthews right there on the bench, or there's Mitch Marner. Like it adds more excitement. It adds more conversation to the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. I 100%. And I love USA Hockey's 4v5, by the way. I think if you think about that, like in what other sport are you allowed to break the rule? Right. Like you slash somebody. So you go to the box and you feel shame for two minutes or less. <laughs> and then you're allowed to break the friggin' rules again by icing the puck with no penalty. Like, yeah. What? Like, so, you know, why not, you know, if we're talking about progressive thinking, why not follow USA hockey's example? And what would, you know, what would the potential outcomes be of, you know, at 4v5, you can't ice the puck? Well, maybe, yeah. maybe you have coaches who devote a lot of their immense brain pan to, you know, trying to figure counterattacks to if, you know, the two points are stationary on the power play or you have that rotating umbrella where you have the one defenseman uh, just basically on the blue line. Like, think of all the counterpoint, counterattacks, yeah. right? Like, you got to get possession, you got to chip it off. But, like, I think it adds more excitement than just firing it down the ice. And then there's another five, ten seconds, especially now with the zone entries where you get to the blue line, you turn it around, you throw it back to your goalie who finds a way to break it into the blue line. Like, it it adds more intensity to a play that we've become accustomed to. Well, if you clear it, there's a 15 seconds to exhale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for definitely. sure. Yeah, that wasn't what you asked, but it was just something that I was thinking about. <laughs> no, I mean it's a, it's a good <laughs> I'm point. Sorry. It's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and listen, another player that I want to I, I kind of want to talk about is is um, Samsonov. He had a. A tough night between the the pipes tonight, right? I mean, it, he looked really jumpy. He looked uh, a little bit like he was off off position a bit, right? And uh, um, I mean, you look at that third goal that that St. Louis got, and they just passed his blocker, right? I, it had zero deflections. I, I think he should have had that. But then on the other hand, you look at the that Achari save that he had as well, right? And um, he he looked kind of weird, a little jumpy. What, what were your thoughts on on Samsonov today? Do you think? Uh, um, do you think it's just the holiday <laughs> coming back from the holidays? He's just, just needs some time. All right. So full disclosure, if we're getting into goaltending talk, uh-huh. but I do believe that like goaltending is both an art and a science and one, I can't draw. And two, I have a bachelor of applied arts, so I don't know science either. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think that one that you're talking about went just above his pad, just below his blocker, right? Like it's a good shot. Like that's a good play. Mm-hmm, like, that's yeah. a good. That's good placement, right? Like yeah. just above the pad, just below the blocker. That's you know, if you don't want to go bar down, like that's a really good placement. Um, I mean, take a look at the other end, right? And like, let's take a step back. Like, you know, this game tonight might be a perfect distillation of what St. Louis Blues fans have been going through all year, where yeah. they go and they lose twelve straight, and then they win ten straight, and then they lose six straight, and then they like this up and down stuff. Um, and I think a lot of that to segue the goaltending um take a look at bennington's night too like kerfoot's goal um that one dribbled in and it was so slow that you could almost read the label in real time on the puck is it like you could almost read national hockey league as it was spinning around <laughs> but you go back and take a look at bennington and yeah. bennington's over on the on the right post and the puck's just very slowly like like ice sheet from Greenland going down and behind him, but he doesn't, he doesn't make a move to swim back. Yeah. So is, is, does that mean he's, you know, working off Turkey legs? Does that mean he's not, you know, the battling thing that we talk about goaltenders? Like, you know, he had a bit of a challenging night too. They just sort of, they alternated, I guess. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted the, 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 the broadcast to put up the shot speed on that goal (laughs) right there. 
That would have been great. That is, Sean, was... that is Sean Fitzgerald game film right there. That is yeah, like no, really special. That's, that's my, about, like my level of shot. Right? <laughs> you know, you, so it made me feel a bit better. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Like Binner didn't have that great of a game. Like Samsonov, you know, he got us some wins earlier on in the season. You know, I, I think both Samsonov and Murray deserve a little bit of uh, leeway, a little long leash uh, right now, at least, uh, with how they've played early on in the season. You know, it's a couple bad games, I think, in a row for, for Sammy. But, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about him. You know, he looked a little bit like he was swimming on uh, a few of the a few of the, the goals that they scored. But at the same time, like, you know, for example, that Ryan O'Reilly goal, that's a clean shot right in the slot. Like Hall just gives it to him. And I don't want to bash Hall too much either here because, you know, Yarn Crock was the other guy on a two on two. So maybe he was playing a little more conservatively to take that passing lane away rather than, uh, you know, play the shot. But uh, yeah, he just gives him so much time and it's Ryan O'Reilly. Like he's, he's got a good shot. You know, you, you can't really give him that much time in the slot. So yeah, he didn't have a great game, but he gave us a chance to win and we did it. So like, I mean, what can you complain about? In defensive hall, they're like defense is a hard position. Like there's a big breaking news. I hope you put the Chiron out there. But like, so there, I mean, the question is even in real time, like you're backing up, your stick is already 12 feet long to begin with, right? Like it, it's sort of almost a gap control thing. Like what are you yeah. really, you're not really taking away the pass there, but what you are is like you're allowing Samson off to, to read the liner on the back of your pants. Like you're getting closer and closer and yeah. you're basically creating a screen. So I mean, with a skater like O'Reilly there, I don't know what's the calculus. If you're Hall, do you do you say okay, step up? And is he does O'Reilly still have enough that he could wheel around me and make a play? I don't know. Like my default might be move up, but then again, if you've ever seen me in beer league play, you know my default move is to be terrible. So um, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right play. I don't know. It, it's it's tough. It's a tough one there. I think yeah, you, you'd like him to have a bit better sense of where he is on the ice and that. You know, he did have help off to his left, and maybe if he steps up, like O'Reilly doesn't have enough time and space to to wheel around and make a play and cut back towards the net. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know, we also give Hall a bit of a pass because he scored today the first goal, <laughs> yeah. and I think that was our ninth goal from a defender in total throughout this entire season. And right now, there are three defensemen individually, Carlson, Dalin, and Dobson, that have more goals than our entire decor combined, which is wild. Um, it's not exactly a part of our game, the defenseman kind of jumping up and, and taking a shot, which I find interesting. Well, the cause... defensemen are all hurt. Like, you know, when the top, <laughs> That's 15, a fair point. When the top yeah, 15 yeah. defensemen in the roster are hurt, yeah. like, you're basically, what, the growlers coming up and scoring goals in the NHL? Like, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. you have to factor that into it, too, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, like with Sandine out right now, Muzzin's gone. He's like a good shot. I read threat. Morgan Riley's pretty good at offense. Morgan Riley. Like, is he yeah. in the lineup tonight? I don't know. I didn't check. <laughs> And he's, I think he got 20 goals that one season. Did he Did he not? Uh, I think it was a, three or four years ago he got 20 goals. But yeah, obviously we're missing quite a few. But I just saw that stat and I was like, wow, that's insane. And, and you don't really notice it either. Like it's not, I don't think it's a missing piece of our game where like our defensemen aren't like shooting the puck as, as much. But uh, yeah, it was just a, a weird thing to note that uh, Hall scored. And that was only a ninth goal from a, from a demon. And then Callie Rosen scores not shortly after. And of course, former Leaf getting his lick in. Now, do you think that's like um, just a a 
factor of, of the way that that Keefe is kind of deploying this defensive core or, or defenseman, right? Um, yeah, we are missing a lot of our, our offensive uh, defenders, right? But um, I feel like there's just a, a difference with the, pl- the the type of way that we're playing defense now, especially with getting our forwards to to help pick up the slack kind of as well. But um, yeah, do, do you think that this is just a factor of a different kind of hockey that the Leafs are, are playing as of late? I think, I mean, it's tough because you, you know, for a coach, and again, um, I'm, I'm not a coach at that, the NHL level. Um, but like, you know, you build a game plan over the summer, you build a system idea based on certain personnel, right? And I don't think Sheldon Keefe, as he was sitting at the lake at late August, was like, you know what? I'm going to build a system where Mark Giordano, who is 56 years old, is going to log 30 minutes of ice time a night. And that's yeah. going to be that's going to be what keeps us afloat. Like that's not part of it. So I think what you're seeing here probably is, you know, a system made on the fly. That a lot of the you know a lot of the formations, a lot of the you know the way that you move around on the blue line, the way that you move people around, um, it impacts everything based on personnel. And when you lose some of the personnel, especially the key personnel that they've lost for a long periods of time, I think that that's obviously going to have an impact. Like, it just is. And, like, you know, you lost Morgan Riley, who logs a ton of ice and does a lot of really dynamic, difficult things in the offensive zone, um, whether it be part of the control game or working the point or just working off the rush sometimes. Like, I, I think that that can't help but change the way that, you know, you approach things when you're on the whiteboard in practice. Yeah, and well, Riley and Sandine, <laughs> and Riley and Sandine are skating now in practice, and yeah. I think they're considered day to day. So we probably will be seeing Riley back pretty soon, which is very good. I was curious, do you think they're going to go back to to Mo being on that power play one unit, or or do you think they're going to stick with that five forward unit? I mean, I guess it a few times now. I mean, it depends on health, right? And it depends, yeah. you know, on on a bunch of things. I mean, we're all day to day when you really get down to the <laughs> like an existential question. But like, um, yeah, I I think so. But again, they're rolling, right? So you know, do you keep it? See, this is why I'm not a coach, guys. It's a lot easier to ask <laughs> the question. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, we know. I'd rather sit in here be lobbing, you know, lobbing verbal grenades than. <laughs> <laughs> actually try to come up with the system myself it's a lot easier the pay is not great but the job's a lot easier yeah just sit in the back line just throw hey what's wrong with keep yeah. what's, what's going on oh, with this come on <laughs> i could have done that better easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it's honestly like it's been pretty hard to to talk about the lease recently because like you know, they're on a 117-point pace. Like, there's not much you can say that's wrong about them right now. Like, we just, last year, broke a franchise record getting 115 points. And now, if, like, after this game, we've just passed that pace. Which is great. Like, it's I love it. I don't have any complaints right now. The goalies, I like, there's not much to, to say. I, I trust them. I trust our decor when they're depleted, like, completely. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, there are three more injuries feeling. away from maybe, like, the three of us, our cell phone ring. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just have know, another like, David Ayer situation. I'll shoot up for the any, any day. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, like, William Nylander was on pace heading into this game for 48 goals. Like, now 49, I think. Is it 49 now? Okay. Yeah, right. after the OT goal. Talking about a weird top and bottom game, by the way, I believe in the first period, 
uh, Cuthbert and Simpson said that they were calling the game from Toronto because their flight to St. Louis got canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, adding another that. layer on how weird and bizarre this whole game was that Simpson, like six minutes into the first period, is saying, <laughs> yeah, we're in the we're in the departure lounge and there are a lot of really upset Leaf fans because they couldn't get to St. Louis. It's like, well, yeah. And then they do a stand-up with the the background, and it's very obviously, you know, in somewhere in Mount Pleasant Studios. Yeah, it's wild. It the like they they did a great job too, like being away from the the game. Like I I can't imagine that. I cannot imagine Mm -hmm. that. That must be one of the hardest jobs to call a game while you're not there. (laughs) Like uh, you're you're totally dependent. You're totally yeah, and you're totally dependent on the cameras. Yeah, the production staff in St. Louis, right? So like. You know, you have a hopefully a Sportsnet crew there. Otherwise, you know, you think about the ISO cams, right? Like you're following the story of the game. Yeah. Like if you don't have Sportsnet cameras there, like your ISO cam is going to be Ryan O'Reilly or Jordan Bennington. That's not going to help you. So you have like, you know, screens, you know, a couple of big screen TVs. And I wonder if maybe that's why they needed the replay to see the the pick play yeah. um, in the third period that they needed to wait to see the replay because otherwise maybe if they're, they're looking down onto the ice that they can sort of pick it up. Like it's, it's the nuanced things that make them make that job so much more difficult, which frankly, you know, especially for somebody like Cuthbert, like that's, that's, that's how, you know, somebody's a pro, like, yeah, you wouldn't know. And that's yeah. with Simpson, right. But like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. I, like, I didn't funny, realize like, until you know, they said it. Like if you listen, like if you've been listening to Joe Bowen or Jim Ralph on the radio, like you, yeah. if you're stuck at work or you're driving the car or both, um, you know, they they don't make any bones about it at this point. But like there was a game, I think, last season in Florida where there was a, a technical kerfuffle at the end in Florida. And like they held, they only had like the wide cam, like the yeah. establishing shot cam that showed the rink. And like all the little skaters were like little, little ants. And then it like briefly flipped to a soccer game. <laughs> and like they're totally at the mercy of the technology yeah it's a really hard thing to do yeah it, you know it, you just get an appreciation of like even when we're doing these like live broadcasts yeah. <laughs> we get tech issues like almost all the time and i'm just sitting there like oh my god imagine the people who are working these broadcasts for like the millions of people that are watching oh god yeah just get inflamed completely yeah, you really, <laughs> you, you really gain, gain an appreciation for it <laughs> I did want to touch on, uh, you know, we're talking about like injuries and, and some guys stepping up. I want to point out one guy who has absolutely amazed me, and it's Pontus Holmberg. Such an excellent bottom six player. And, you know, this is his rookie season. He's like, a, I think he was a sixth rounder in 2018. And just a stellar game, you know, straight from the first period, they, the broadcast pointed out such a, an amazing shift where he battles Ryan O'Reilly down low in her own end and, you know, comes up winning, uh, winning the puck out after, I think it was an icing play that on a faceoff draw that he lost. And he's just such a good player. And then to see him rewarded when he drives the net and, uh, you know, get that assist when Cali Yarncroke, uh, I think, uh, gets the rebound and scores, like... I love him as a player. I was just wondering, what are your what are your thoughts on him so far? You know, we've got a decent sample size now of him playing pretty good hockey. So my memory is really good, but it's also really short. Um, but I think it was the, uh, I can't remember if it was the year-end Kyle Dubas availability or the season opening uh, availability where, where somebody asked him who he thought was going to make an impact this year, and he named him. He named he named Pontus, right? Oh, and yeah. I remember sitting in the room and be like, oh, and then like very subtly, like hockey DB 
I'm like, hmm, doesn't seem familiar to me. But yeah, no, like, it's just one of those things that you're just finding a bunch of pieces as as things slide around, right? That bottom six, it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a Jenga tower, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was supposed to be Nick Robertson's time to shine. This was supposed yeah. to be his year. And yeah. we're supposed to be talking about him, except, you know, unfortunately, the injury again. But but yeah, here you are. And that's, that's really what separates, you know, when you have a team that's, you know, we don't need to say top heavy again, because that's a bit of a cliche, sort of an old yeah. meme here. But like, yeah, if you're going to do that, if you're going to build your roster like that, you got to find other folks who can slot in like this. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's funny you bring up the the interview with the I, I think it was Dubis because I remember Steve a while ago. He talks about this as well. He interviewed I want to say it was Keith and Dubis about uh, who they thought on the Marlies back when they were uh, in the Marlies organization, who they thought were uh, underrated or some some question like that. And at the time, they said Zach Hyman, and that worked out. So they've got they've got a good eye for talent. You know, you can Zach tell a lot Hyman's, about them. Zach Hyman's still on the Leaf broadcast tonight as a commercial, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. driving they've his car a... through a ball hockey game. It's like, yeah, no, I guess that worked out. Yeah, they've got a really good eye for talent. So I'm I'm really excited to see what home, Homebrick does for the the rest of the year. I think he has that fourth line center job, you know, throughout unless he gets injured. Like, yeah, definitely. I've really really been impressed with him. Yeah, I mean, even even the, the our third line, right? Our third line with Camp and, and Engvall and Kerfoot. I, I mean, if you look at earlier in the season, there's so many people calling for the heads of Kerfoot. Now he's just found a, a good spot where um where he he's just working really well with his with his linesmen and and he's looking. Um, it it finally looks like we have some kind of structure, some kind of um uh some kind of. I guess like something that makes sense out of this top, this bottom six and, and something that's working now. So it's good to see that, especially with the playoffs right around the corner now. Right. And, uh, hopefully, uh, it continues. Right. Uh, but before yeah, I'm curious where Dryden hunt, like slots in, I I'm, I'm assuming Joey Anderson's coming out, but wasn't he practicing he... as well? The last two games. Yeah, I think, I, I think so. I think he's, he's skating with the team for yeah. sure now and I'm sure he's going to get games in, but I, I think he would just, slot in where Joey Anderson is and then you take Joey yeah. Anderson and send him back to the Marlies, which makes mm-hmm. sense. But yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, everyone that's that's watching ta- in the chat um, and watching us live right now, thank you guys for for joining us so far. And um, it's nice to see all the familiar names, especially for like a late game. So if you guys are enjoying, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Tell all your friends. Um, but hey, shifting gears a little bit outside of the game, Sean, I got to say your book before the lights go out, um, that was a fantastic read. I know it came out a couple of years ago, but I, I really want to want to touch on this because when it came out, I watched uh, the podcast with the STP boys. Shout out to them, by the way. Uh, that's where I, I first heard of it. And um, I uh, there was a lot of parallels that I saw where um, a lot of the things that you talked about was exactly the same situation that I kind of went through um, growing up. But I guess... For the people in chat or the people listening at home who haven't read the book, give us a little bit of a a summary about what the book is about. Yeah, if you if you need it to find it now, it can be uh, in the dumpster behind reputable bookstores across Canada today. Uh, some libraries um, that you know need maintenance or whatever, it might still be on the shelves there. Uh, but thank you very much for reading it. Yeah, no, the idea is just like it, it's sort of examining Canada's frayed tether with the game, right? Like it's. It's expensive. Hockey sticks are expensive. Equipment's yeah. expensive. We've been talking about this since I had hair. Um, that's a lie. I, 
been bald for a hundred years. <laughs> like, um, you know, we've been talking about these things, but like, you know, how has that manifested itself beyond just still being expensive? Um, you know, hockey is a very exclusive sport. Um, it's not accessible. It's not attractive. Um, it's not, uh, we've been talking about it here with rules, right? Like it's, it's not a progressive game. Um, so the idea was, is to say, okay, you know, how does this impact the game? How does this impact who gets to play the game? Um, and, and, you know, where does this suggest the game might be going? And I mean, this is in the book, but I think this is the purest distillation I could find is that, you know, several years ago, a very, very smart reporter with the Hamilton Spectator, her name's Terry Pekoski, she was covering the OHL for the spec back then. She reached out to all 20 OHL teams and said, look, here's what I want. I don't want any personal information from your players. I just want, can you send me the postal codes from every single kid on your roster? Just the postal codes of where they grew up. So I think all but four teams. So she had, you know, she had a pretty good sample size of data sent her back the postal codes of where they got their kids, where they were, the, you know, the home addresses. And she ran it through Statistics Canada databases. And, and the picture that she came up with is that generally, and I'm going to mangle the numbers here because I'm old and, you know, my brain's addled, but like um, something like 80%, 85% of kids playing in the OHL came from areas that were affluent. And like 85% of them came from urban areas. So what this has already done is it shot holes in the whole, like, you know, the old Tom Cochran big league song, like, you know, from a small mining town, like those kids don't exist anymore. And if they do, yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're Claude Giroux from Hearst and they're basically a unicorn at this point. Um, like even Newmarket, Connor McDavid's from Newmarket, that might as well have been, you know, Timmins because he still had to come down and play in the G. Um, so what you get now is a picture of, you know, privilege uh, of wealth. And, you know, hockey is historically, allegedly, in the stories we tell ourselves, supposed to be a game for all Canadians. And it's not. So the book really tries to explore what that means and how it's impacted the game and how it's impacted our relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I I mean, I had basically a, a very identical situation with what you painted out, right? Um, I grew up with <clears throat> a lot of my teachers in elementary school. They They loved hockey. There was a lot of influential um influential people that kind of guided me towards hockey like for example one of my teachers miss kvesic shout out to her um uh she was a huge huge leafs fan and um from that moment i tried to get my parents to sign me up for hockey but because it was just really expensive like think about all the pads that you need to get the the sticks and the time as well the money it costs for 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 the practices and just joining the league it was just no, not right now, maybe in the future. And just never got to that, right? And it wasn't until, I guess, like middle school where I had my teacher, Mr. Newbrand. Um, he, he'd spent some time and actually took time out of his day after school to create a hockey, floor hockey program, right? And we, we played twice a week. And that really helped me grow my love for the game and whatnot. Um, but but yeah, it's it's tough because like if I look at a lot of this, uh, a lot of other um, like students or, or my peers around my age, right? I mean, just talking to Armand, like we're in our friend group of fifteen people, we're, we're probably only, two of only the only, people. and not even just Leafs fans, just hockey, hockey fans in general, in general yeah. right? It's, yeah, it's it's tough. It, like you also have to factor into account, it's hard to play hockey as a kid because you outgrow your equipment 
instantly yeah. and it's another thousand dollars <laughs> that you're pretty much investing every couple of years and then it's if you don't play hockey as a kid it's really hard to pick up as an adult mm-hmm. you know like we like our friend group me and harnish and a couple of our friends have joined a soccer league and we are complete shit like we are <laughs> god awful our we first game we lost game. 22 to 1 it was bad <laughs> we have not won a game at all start shooting us. from three <laughs> <laughs> we're in our second season and like none of us have played soccer and that's why we're so shit but we can at least join a league it's like a hundred bucks you could get some cleats if you want and you just come out you can't do that with hockey we can't join a hockey league with like any of our friends because you got to learn how to skate that takes at least a year and then on top of that you have to drop a thousand dollars on new equipment and on top of that you have to join a league which is like 500 bucks you know if you're if you're joining a, a league and you play like once a week it's such an expensive sport and you know, like I had a similar, like I came to Canada, my family came to Canada when I was three. So all I've known is Canada. And that's sort of, it was weird with my family because like, you know, my parents came when they were in their thirties, but they, they developed a love for hockey and that's sort of how I got into it. But I played hockey as a kid when I was, I think six years old, I started, but we couldn't play travel hockey. You know, we have th- three boys and it's it would just wasn't doable for my mom and dad who were like working at the time full time and we were doing other stuff as well. And it's a ridiculous ask to, to you know, I was a goalie as well, which, you know, bless my parents for putting up with that. The fucking pads cost like five hundred dollars. <laughs> like It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a tough sport to get into, you know, especially nowadays. And what really really pisses me off is like you know what we see our money being put towards like when the hockey canada scandal came out i was absolutely furious that like you know hockey's a tough sport it's a it's a tough sport to get into because of how expensive it is and then to see that it was god awful it was just horrible yeah like you know the practices the time you have to put into it and that's just for low level stuff you know to to get anywhere in hockey, you're you're talking to 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 a bunch of coaches, a bunch of skills guys, and you're having your kid out there like five days a week, right? Like it's it's a, it's a tough sport. It's, I mean, you touched, you both touched on it, right? Like, I mean, my wife, she was born in Mumbai. Uh, she moved here when she yeah. was ten. Um, her parents are actually they actually decided in retirement, like. This Canadian weather, this sucks. So <laughs> they, uh, they in, in, in early December, they go back. They still have a family house in Goa. So they go back there and so they sort of chill out and wait until the snow disappears. But like, yeah, like, you know, uh, when, when my wife and I first started dating, we were in university. I thought it'd be like a cool Rocky move to like go ice skating once, right? But she'd never been on skates. So I went to play it again, bought her a pair of skates. She fell on her ass twice, and I haven't seen those skates. We've been married twenty some years, but yeah. like, yeah, like, like hockey. Even you know. So the trade off is this: I was talking to a somebody who's already had kids who go through. So we have a kid. We have our daughter's eight, our son's eleven. They both play. I was talking to a parent who's already gone through this, and they're like, "Well, yeah, hockey is expensive because take a look at the skills that you see on the ice, like what we're just talking about, like Mitch Marner stuff. Like you don't get that." playing Gordie Howe on the river in behind the farm, right? Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, it's an expensive thing to have people teach you how to do that magic stuff. Like, that's Harry Potter stuff. And he's doing it all on the ice, right? Like, it's so that, it's expensive. And you have to pay people to teach you how to do that. 
Like Wayne Gretzky, you know, God bless him, didn't learn that in Brantford in the backyard rink. Like you got to do this stuff. It costs money. Yeah. So the trade-off is like, how do you develop that elite level skill while also, you know, travel hockey is a fantastic experience, right? Like friends, you know, going to a hotel, playing mini sticks. And how do you make this more accessible and more attractive to people? Right. Like even, yeah. even the bridge of like, you know, if you're new to Canada or you're new to the game, like if you've never played the game before, how do you know, like how intimidating is it to like, okay, I need, I need what equipment. Okay. So when I get it, how do I put it on my kid? Like do the pants go on, then the shin pads, like there's no pathway. And here's another one. Like I'm in Toronto, right. And, and we were out playing shinny uh, with the EastEnders, shout out to the EastEnders. Um, and it was in Scarborough and it was an outdoor rink. And I had a mom with a kid who was wheeling around on the ice outside. And she's like, you know, our kid, he's, he's six. Um, he loves it. Like he plays hockey all the time on the street. He, he watches it on TV. Where do I sign him up? Do I sign him up for AAA? And, and it was a legitimate question. She like, she, she, she didn't know because no, there was no even single website that you can log into saying, how do I, you know, I have a child who wants to play hockey. Help me. Like how, how basic is that? I have a child that wants to play. Where do I go? Why don't we have a website that says, okay, you live in Scarborough? Sure. Okay. What's your postal code? Okay. Here's the three local arenas. And within those three local arenas, here's the three minor hockey associations. Has your child played before? No. Okay. Maybe you want to do a learn to play program offered here. Oh, have they played in their confidence getting? Well, maybe you want to try house league here. Or are you new to Canada, but you're from the U.S. or somewhere you played hockey? Well, maybe you want to try select or go to single A, double A. There's none of that. Yeah, it is. It is like looking at the Vatican, waiting for the puff of white smoke or dark smoke to figure out who the next pope. Like you, you have no sense of what goes on on the other side of the wall. And you talk about the national governing body on top of everything that is in the news. That I mean, you've all read it. It's it's awful. Like it, yeah. it makes you sick to your stomach. Um, so I, I don't want to talk about that specifically because that's a very, I mean, we could spend hours talking yeah. about that specifically. So I want to take mm -hmm. that and move it over here for a second. But then we look at what is the national governing body supposed to be doing? And right now, and for a long time, they've been looking at gold medals, sending 18 year olds to win gold medals at the world juniors. When I think arguably, almost inarguably now, like the focus has to be on rebuilding and repairing this tether that's been frayed to the point of breaking with what really powers hockey in this country, which is the grassroots. Taking away the focus on giving your board of directors $4,000 championship watches or rings or whatever they've been doing and actually investing in growing the game at the grassroots level and helping make these connections. Because if you don't, it's going to become Canadian polo. Yeah, and and you also mentioned that that um, a lot to to become or to gain the the skills you need to practice with with elite coaches and and with with proper training, right? But I think there's there's also something to be said about just um, playing the game for fun, right? Just not like forget about playing it competitively, right? I think to to develop uh to develop some interest, you want to have more people engage and more people just talking about it and playing it in the backyard or playing floor hockey at uh, like during um during recess or one. I think our hockey sticks were were banned like during uh, during our, our middle school when I when during recess time, right? We had when we had our after school program, we had to 
put the sticks away um uh inside our locker rooms or whatnot right but there's there's so many things like this like for example let's say my my teacher didn't spend that time out of uh, spend his own time to develop that that program right how are we going to be playing this right how, where else are we going to find other people to to join in and, and just have some fun and, and play some hockey right um I think there's something to be said about that too, just making it accessible, right? Because like you look at basketball, you look at soccer, um, all you really need is, is a ball, right? Especially for soccer. Like I remember just throwing the jacket, throwing like a, a water bottle and making some goal posts and then just having fun, right? Just enjoying the game, right? And just enjoying and having some fun as, as kids, right? And you don't really see that too much with with even floor hockey, right? You don't really see people just getting together, going outside and, and just seeing people play street hockey for example right i have a really this is going to sound like an inflammatory question and i don't mean it to be but this is a real like a thought experiment and it's very possible that all three of us might not be alive to hear the answer to this but should the maple leafs ever win the stanley cup would their championship parade in toronto draw more people than the raptors did in 2019 in the city that's a great point it's a it's a good question you know i i'd like to think it would you know, especially me growing up a Leafs fan, but like the NBA is bigger than the NHL is. Hockey, I mean, like yeah, basketball is just bigger than hockey, and I don't see that ever does, changing. Does hockey represent? Does does hockey reflect what Toronto and the GTA has become, or has it lost touch that much? In my opinion, I still think that Toronto is a hockey city. It just seems like we're in hibernation, right? We're just waiting for something to be to cheer about, right? (laughs) But I like I I talked to my cousins who he was also he started off as as a Leafs fan. He started off as a hockey fan, and then he transitioned to basketball and and all these other sports, and he lost his touch with hockey, right? But every time when it comes to the playoffs they're they're interested right they're they keep asking me hey how's the Leafs doing how how are um how, what are our chances looking like they'll, they'll throw in some digs here and there and <laughs> make some fun but uh but they're still interested at the end of the day i think um i think it's just there you're just waiting for the beast to come out just give us something to, to but to i will say like it, you know yeah. we're we're of a probably a, a different generation and you know with our friends none of them are particularly leafs fans and you know it's obviously a different you know, everyone has different experiences. We didn't grow up, you know, around a lot of the hockey crowd, you know, but like I can go and play basketball with my friends every single week, anytime we could just go to a court and play basketball. And that's where, that's where, that's what we do. That's where we hang out. Cause all you need is a ball. We go and we play soccer every week. We go and play, you know, we're going to join a volleyball league. It's so much easier to play other sports. It's so much easier. And so you lose that sense of, of, you know, hockey, especially as like, you know, if you're an immigrant and you have immigrant friends who don't grow up with their dads and their grandparents loving the game, you know, like some other people do, you know, you don't have that historical connection. And so if I came to Canada five years later than I did, like in 2005 instead of 2000, I don't know if I'd be a hockey fan. The Leafs would have been on their shit spree by then. You know, they wouldn't have been made the playoffs for the next 10 years. Would I be a hockey fan if I didn't see the, you know, Olympics in 2002? I have no idea. I don't know if my parents would, would have gotten, you know, hooked up on that. And, you know, on top of the barriers of entry, you know, kind of increasing over time, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird thought to, to, you know, to see like how 
basketball has kind of taken over hockey in that regard. And I think a, a large part of that is due to the fact that hockey is very inaccessible. And, you know, you're seeing a, a different demographic, you know, you're seeing, to, you know, and, and like I, I know in 2019 in that SDP podcast, we talked about Brampton and, you know, how the Brampton population has grown, but hockey has sort of dwindled in Brampton. And why is that? You know, and it's like, I, I can definitely see a case where 50 years into the future, if the Leafs win, are the Raptors going to be the team that everyone cheers about in the in the city versus like hockey? Like I said, like none of the three of us will ever live to see the answer to this probably. So. <laughs> I hope <laughs> I do. It is, still, it is still a nice academic question. But I mean, like the interesting thing for Brampton, yeah, like, like Brampton, we're sitting here talking about money being, that's, I mean, those houses, like there's lots of really, really expensive houses in Brampton. Like money, you can't paint it as broadly a money picture in Brampton. Um, but interestingly, like talking to folks who run, you know, the ball hockey programs, the floor hockey programs in Brampton, that the, the, the registration there is very strong. Like the interest is there, but it's that extra step yeah. of, you know, taking that next step of, of skating. But it's not just, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't be calling it the next step that there should be a plan, there should be a welcoming, there should be a red frigging carpet from anybody who has a rink to say, look, please come take a look, check it out. It's pretty cool. Not literally, yeah. but also literally. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is this is historically what a lot of Canadians have done. It's really awesome. It's fun to play. Um, here's, you know, how can we make this happen? What can we make this do? And I mean, I you know, obviously the Peterborough Peets, not obviously because we haven't talked about it, but the Peterborough Peets were sort of the the center center of that book, right? The, yeah. the one that came out a while ago. But um the Peets have also continued to do some really interesting work in this space that, you know, um Shelby Kilcollins, who recently left the team, um, she went around and she made a connection with the new Canadian Center in Peterborough. And that's a vital organization where you know, if you're new to Canada, they help you get your your you know your your health card, your you know tell you where to get your driver's license, help you get your kids registered in school. But again, like you know, if you moved here 50 years ago from Italy and you're retiring and you know you realized you forgot to get paperwork, they'll also help you there. She made a connection there and went around and scrounged up every bit of used equipment she could. She also coached a U15 girls team and had them come out and volunteer. And what she did was she said to you know the new Canadian Center, you know please send a blast out saying, come down to the Peterborough Memorial Center. Uh, just come on out. We'll have skates for you. We'll have helmets for you. We'll have gloves for you. We'll have sticks for you. We'll have Tim Horton's hot chocolate. Like it's a, it's a Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon commercial without Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, right? Like it's, and, and what it was, was just come out and what we're just talking about, give it a try. Like we'll have people out there to help you. Maybe if you haven't been on skates before to, you know, at least feel what the ice is like under your feet. And that's some of the base connection that we just don't make enough effort to do across Canada. Like there are programs, there's there are pilot programs, but you know some of the really good ones you can't get up to scale enough to make much of a difference. Um, you know, this is the kind of stuff that people who make a lot of money from registration fees should be doing rather yeah. than chasing gold medals on a national international stage because it's yeah. real. Like what we're talking about is real. And very soon, you know, 
these arenas, certainly here in Toronto, like we have three city arenas, which are totally offline because they're built in, you know, confederation, haven't been maintained. And the public will isn't there to maintain them or build new ones. And for good reason. Um, so like what we're talking about here is not an abstract, like this is real and it's happening. If you care about hockey, you should care about making hockey more inviting to other folks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. And I, this I, is a really sort of down, wind <laughs> yeah. down something that ended as a pretty crazy overtime win for the team that we're supposed to be talking about. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, I feel really passionate about this and I, it's really, really frustrating um, that we're still yeah. talking. I mean, this book came out in 2019 and yeah. things have gotten worse. Yeah. And there's yeah. people who are doing really good, like Amy Walsh, she's head of Hockey Nova Scotia, and she's doing really good work out there with uh, a lab out there that's gotten funding. Um, you know, to, if you have a really good idea, you can approach Hockey Nova Scotia, they'll fund you. And if, you know, to get underrepresented groups out to the rink, and if it works there, they'll give you more money to try and scale it across Nova Scotia, then maybe Atlantic Canada, and then maybe it works in Kelowna and Kamloops and Prince Arthur, I get parts in between. Um, but there's just not enough Amy Walsh's out there right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, but coming on this podcast and, and just trying to spread the word to to all the viewers uh that are watching live and also that are going to be watching i mean that's that's still spreading awareness and i think that's that's still at the end of the day a a great step that we can take in our limited um i guess our limited impact that we can have with the limited things that we can do at least we're we're trying to spread the word out there and i i completely agree i think um i hope that I think when when the Leafs play better, I think there's gonna it's just gonna naturally bring more interest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The same thing happened with the Raps. You know, exactly. like the Raps weren't exactly pulling numbers up until you know Kawhi came and 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 you know the the narrative sort of changed. And I, I think yeah. I, I do agree with that. You know, uh, this goes for all Canadian teams. You know, I don't think we've had the most success. Yeah, uh, over the past. 20 years so hey but what when it does happen like the, the the toronto argonauts are defending great cup champions like you know <laughs> yeah, they had that, that, they had that no and i mean like you know in 1976 the year before the blue jays got here the toronto argonauts averaged 47,000 fans to exhibition stadium 47,000 fans a game they just had a great cup they just had a great cup rally in maple leaf square right like i covered a great cup rally they had it was a parade in 2004 uh-huh. they still had a parade 2004 and now look right so you know we and this isn't to slam the cfl i i still personally enjoy the cfl and watching it but you know we're talking about products and tastes that change and i think that we take hockey for granted too often that you know you look at the first half of the 20th century like what were the two big sports it was horse racing and boxing now You know, (laughs) things change, right? So, you know, you can't take hockey and its primacy in Canada for granted, especially, you know, as Canada's making steps forward and changing and being progressive in a whole bunch of good ways. And hockey's not. I think that's a, yeah, that's a fantastic point, actually. Um, And I I think the, I think the league, I mean, with the the New Jersey's and stuff, I think that that's also, I guess, Create in some in more right direction. exactly like I I love seeing the the NBA because there's a lot of personalities and there's a lot it it seems like they're really tailoring towards the younger audience and I think that's that's a good thing and I hope that um the NHL tries to kind of step in that direction where they're they're uh, like players aren't going to get 
get crucified if if they just show a little bit of personality here and there and just just try to um i mean go against the norm right so it's gonna be remember interesting PK, remember pk suban and oh, Terry um, price yeah and they had the triple low five yeah oh after God. a win it was yeah. a high five but low <laughs> and that was deemed Whoa! 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 whoa. <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, like, like I love PK though. Here. Like, <laughs> yeah, and even like when the Coyotes broadcast, where when uh, I forgot who it was now, I think it was Troy Terry got absolutely fed by Beagle. I want to say for for doing the for the Michigan or something, a high skill move, and then and then the, the Coyotes broadcaster is saying like, you know, if skill it up. That's what's gonna happen. It's like, why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> why? Like, why? <laughs> what is this? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, um, I I still have a lot of faith. I still have. I mean, it might just be the younger, like, <laughs> the younger side. We I think I think the the Leafs are gonna do great. I think hockey is still gonna continue to grow. I hope. Um, I definitely like it's just, again. It comes down to a price thing, but even like when I'm thinking about it for my kids, right? Is it going to be in the realm yeah, of possibility like, of will I be able to allow or will I be able to uh, fund my kids like joining hockey and, and doing all these all these different activities? Stuff's getting expensive, but can I can I? So it's not just the expense of putting your kids in skates and in sticks. Yeah. So I mean, my wife, uh, my wife and I both work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, work, we're, you know, I'm a sports reporter, so it's not like I'm working in a salt mine or anything, but like, I'm not curing diseases or making a real difference in the world, but we still work theoretically. Um, so, you know, our daughter is in a hockey camp this week, mm-hmm. right? So she's eight years old. She's in a hockey camp, um, camps from 10, 10 AM to 1 PM, three days this week. Mm-hmm. So we're lucky. I mean, obviously it's, you know, two stat days, but tomorrow's a work day. So do you have the flexibility in your work to go to hockey camp? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a cost thing, but it's a soft cost thing. It's an invisible cost thing that that's not going to show up, you know, when you're filing your taxes, but that's still something that, you know, if you're looking, if we're talking competitive hockey, so, you know, house league recreational is one side, competitive hockey. Like, do you have the flexibility? Do you have the social network to be able to get carpools going? Do you have a car? Like these are all questions, and every time you every time you ask another question, that can be another barrier to what we're talking about, right? So you throw it all up, and it you know it's a lot of steps upward. Yeah, Sean, you're you're making me so nervous about adulthood. <laughs> I'm still nervous about it. <laughs> There's too every much day. to think about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, we still got a while. I mean, I don't have to worry about it for for a little while. Don't worry about that. It, it creeps up on you. It creeps up on you. Uh, listen, I'm not going to think about it. We'll forget about it for now. <laughs> we'll deal with it when we cross that path. But um, yeah, we've been going on for a while now. Uh, sorry, Sean, for keeping you up so late. But uh, this has been fantastic. I mean, I I I think this this segment was was really important, and I I love that we were able to. Um, to put this out on there because I mean, there's a lot of guys in the chat, a lot of, a lot of uh, people that are watching and it is definitely something that, that we should care about as hockey fans. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, long way to answer, but thank you for coming on the show, Sean. Um, this has been fantastic and, uh, really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, once again, you can check out Sean's book, uh, and give us a, give us, give the fans a shout out for all your different socials. Where can they find you? Uh, curled up quietly rocking in a corner in my dark basement somewhere. 
Um, oh, on social media. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, um, geez. Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, The Athletic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. Just look for the guy who looks like a Twitter egg, except that it was a face. <laughs> hey, this has been fantastic. Well, that's going to do it here from us uh, at uh, at SDPN Game Over Toronto. Uh, thank you, by thank you guys for, for sticking around. I mean, whoever's still here, it's twelve. It's almost twelve o'clock. But um, yeah, work tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you guys coming to hang out with us. Uh, you can like and subscribe. Find and if you click the bell icon, you can find uh, notifications for all the different uh, programs that we have here on SDPN. And our podcast is obviously available on all the different podcast platforms. Uh, but that's going to do here for for us tonight. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your nights, and uh, we'll see you soon in the next game. Good night. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.